Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. It's Kingdom Cast's podcast, now with more bathroom breaks than Amazon. <laughs> Joining us once again is Sandra Holy Mackerel Swindle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Stan Daniel, and with me as always is Albert Marsh. So, Albert. Yeah. Let's get to our picks this week for the week of books releasing on April 7th, 2021. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. My three main picks are The Immortal Hulk, number 45, which is written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett. I think they're in the middle of him still being, I guess, the Hulk is still super weak. I don't see how this is going to get wrapped up in five issues if the plans go to 50. They're still doing the Joe Fixit stuff. And the plans to end it with 50? Was that not what they said? Yeah, it seems like it was. I'll look it up and uh, see if we can find more information on that when we talk about it tomorrow. They got a lot to cover in six or Just so five issues. issues, yeah. <clears throat> the next one is Crime Syndicate number two, written by Andy Schmidt. Several artists because there's a backup. Alman Origin with Brian Hitch, and the main penciler is Karen McCowan. But uh, I liked issue one, pretty solid run, and I'm looking forward to issue two. It involves Starro, sort of uh, a pseudo reforming of the team. Yeah. They need, a, they need a new Wonder Woman in there, but I enjoyed it. It was good. And the third pick is Geiger number one. It is written by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. This is a creator owned book from Jeff Johns. Put out through Image. I know Gary Frank has worked with him a lot over the last few years. It seems to be his M.O. For a long time, Gary Frank worked with Straczynski because he did Rising Stars. Was that the name of that book? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he did. He did Rising Stars. And I think he did, what is it called? Max. Yeah, the Max line, Supreme Powers. Supreme Power, the Squadron of Supreme Max, they did that when it was still under the Max line. I'm really looking forward to this. Jeff Johns is a fantastic superhero writer, so it's be interesting to see him do a real big creator on book. Yeah, off the leash. Nobody, yeah, yeah no rules to play by. Rift picks. First one is Noctera number two. Uh, Noctera number one was interesting. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Tony S. Daniel. I don't know how long that could really keep me interested. It seems cool. Yeah, but issue one was pretty good, so I'm going to still give issue two a shot with sort of an iffy, iffiness. My second risk pick. Risk pick. And my second risk pick is a Marvel epic collection of Marvel 2 and 1, The Thing, which was pretty much the Thing team-up book, the same way Marvel team-up was the actual was really a Spider-Man book for most of its life. But it collects uh, Marvel feature 11 through 12, Marvel 2 and 1, 1 through 19, and Marvel team-up number 47. If you like The Thing, more than likely you'd, you'd like this book if you want some old Comics, and I think, Lord, there ain't no telling how many writers from the era worked on it. I'm sure Steve Gerber worked on it and everybody else. The thing always sells well. I really enjoyed Dan Slott's run on the thing. He did have a good run on the thing. He really did. He's got a better voice, even in the Fantastic Four he's currently writing now, which I'm back and forth on. Sandra doesn't like it at all. Am I right, Sandra? Yeah, I just gave up on it. 
he's still writing good thing dialogue in it. You can tell the thing's his favorite, or at least that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, his thing was like that. I also think when you read Dan Slott's, the older stuff like the thing, I think you can tell that's probably what he really wants to. Yeah, the he's got a better he feel for that character than just writing the other ones. Yeah, than reading the rest. And I like the old thing, Marvel team ups and Marvel two and ones and such. That'd be pretty good. Well, my picks are going to be, and it's going to be in this order. Donnie Cates said that you need to read them in this order. Venom number 34, the tie-in, the final tie-in to the King in Black series. Donnie Cates said read Venom number 34 first. I highly recommend that you get it and the King in Black finale as well. Of course, Donnie Cates is the writer, Ibn Coelho is the artist, and this has been a phenomenal... Donny Cates has done a hell of a job with Venom. Venom is not a book or a character that I necessarily like nor am drawn to, but I am so long as Donny Cates is on it. This has been a really, really good run. He's done a wonderful job with this, and this has been a hell of a crossover event. And King in Black number five of course, is my second pick. Also written by Donnie Cates, drawn by Ryan Stegman. I've thoroughly enjoyed this event. I honest to God don't know how they're going to get rid of Noel, the Dark God. This has been a really, really cool event, and I'm looking forward to both Venom number 34 and King in Black number 5, and I highly recommend that you have those on your pull list. As for my third pick of the week... Is it Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number eight? No, it most certainly is not Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. We're going to have to read that, you know. Why am I going to have to read that? Because we gotta, we got to figure it out. Is it not over yet? No, it's been going on for over a year. My third suggestion for your pull list this week is DC Comics Man Bat. Written by Dave Wilgos and art by Summit Kumar. It's straight out of the 70s. This is a comic book that could have just as easily have been published in, say, 1978, 79. Has the same sensibilities to it. Has the same feel to it. What can I say? It's Man Bat. It's just a fun book. It is. And it's a pretty solid book. Yeah. I like it. I would like to see DC putting more stuff out this. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due here. Yeah, since the post-future state series, I hate that they're actually following up with Future State in Superman and the Batman titles, or they seem to be. I absolutely hate and despise that. But I'm going to tell you, Nightwing has been outstanding, and so has the first issue of The Flash. Man Bat was going on before Future State and is continuing to. This is the sort of feel you want for DC Comics. Almost makes me hopeful and optimistic for it. So Man Bat number three is my third recommendation. Now, as for my risk picks, my first risk pick is going to be from Image Comics, and it's The Silver Coin, number one. Written by Chip Zdarsky, drawn by Michael Wash. It's a new horror anthology miniseries for mature readers. The blurb reads, each issue will tell a tale of terror in a shared supernatural world. The story starts in 1978 with a failing rock band whose fortune suddenly changes when they find the mysterious silver coin. So I imagine that the silver coin is going to be the theme running throughout the anthology. I like Chip Zdarsky. I do. I really do. He's been solid on most things. I've very much enjoyed his run on Stillwater. I've enjoyed what he's done with Spider-Man in the past. My hopes are up there for the silver coin. So I recommend that as your first risk pick. As your second risk pick, since Albert took Geiger, which 
I was going to recommend as a risk pick. I was going to recommend it as a risk pick simply because it's another post-nuclear apocalyptic world. But normally, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank together, there's no risk involved there. And there's probably not an issue number one of Geiger because we've gotten email on that. One of our regular listeners, Bryant, had written in and a couple other people had written in about Geiger. So anxiously looking forward to Geiger. But my second risk pick is going to be Project Patron. And to be honest, I don't have high hopes for Project Patron. It's coming in from Aftershock Comics, writer Steve Orlando and artist Patrick Piazzalunga. The reason I'm making this a risk pick is because it's another take or it's another go at Superman from a different direction. I mean, all of superhero comics is a go at Superman from one direction or another, but this is one of the more obvious ones. It's clearly a Superman clone. The twist on this is that the original patron died, but the UN has cloned him And the general public does not know that the person they know as patron is actually a clone. And so I'm interested. I always look at these Superman ripoffs, and I don't mean that mean, but I always look at these alternate Superman stories looking for a good angle. I enjoy a good alternate Superman story like Mark Miller's Superior. Damn, Steve Orlando has not lacked for a job in the comic book industry. He's a pretty good writer. I'm interested in seeing what he does with Project Patron. And those are my two risk picks for you. Sandra, what are your pull list picks and risk picks this week? Well, not much now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, how the turns have taken. <laughs> Well, I really didn't have much at all. I mean, I think this week has been pretty slim picking as far as I'm concerned. I will say the Defenders Omnibus, it has three different covers. Instead of ordering the classic cover, which there's one is Gil Kane, one is Neil Adams. But they had a third cover that Jorge Molina did. Holy cow. That's that is an amazing cover. <laughs> so I place my order for it. We'll see when it comes in. But other than that, there's not really anything I, I can recommend picking. And, uh, <laughs> you mean well, that we haven't already picked? <laughs> the only other one I was going to suggest was the the epic collection that um, that um, my name's Albert. Albert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still looking at this Defenders cover. <laughs> uh, all Namer fans should have this cover. And Valkyrie fans. She looks very good there, too. Yeah, Albert already picked the epic collection of Marvel 2 and 1, which has some, the classic thing team-up stories. And, of course, I should mention that the second issue of Marvel 2 and 1, if I remember correctly, is a Namor, Namor Rita, and Thing team-up. Yeah, those were the only two that I was like, okay, yeah, I recommend these. I'm going to try the Geiger as a... As a, uh, as a uh, risk pick. Thank you, risk pick. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm oh going to put it on a T-shirt. And the name of the podcast is Kingdom Casts. <laughs> Just in case either of you would like to tell your friends. <laughs> Okay, well, that sounds good. We'll we'll let you squeak by because, yeah, there's not a ton coming. There's some good books. And, of course, I didn't jump in and recommend Marauders, which I'm prone to do. I try not to recommend the same stuff over and over again. I feel safe in my Donny Cates picks. I'm going to end up buying that 
stupid Avengers book because I started to say the Avengers is coming out. Are you not recommending they put the Avengers on there? Avengers number 44? No, no, I don't even recommend Namer fans pick that book up. (laughs) I've endured this horrible Phoenix arc. And I think this is the last issue. So I need to see just how horribly Jason Aaron is going to screw over Namer. Somehow give it to Echo, which makes absolutely no sense since that was the first character that Namers whooped up on. But Jason Aaron seemed to go out of his way to make Namor look like somebody who would eagerly beat up on a deaf woman. And I didn't care for that either. I, I haven't cared for this whole Avengers situation with the Phoenix thing. I think it belittles the Phoenix storyline. I think it belittles a whole lot of things. But don't worry, because immediately after he gives it to Echo, apparently she destroys the Earth and and it reforms without the Avengers. No more Avengers. You remember when they did that in, what was it, House of M? Except it was no more mutants. Well, it makes more sense that Namor would get it, and then he would destroy the world, and then there would be no more Avengers. But what the heck? Nobody pays me well, to write this Well, this is like his Avengers Justice League crossover. Which, to me, is like, why the heck are you even writing for Marvel if all you want to do is write crappy DC stories? Crappy DC stories. Yeah, he makes good money at Marvel. That's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And he's got a freedom at Marvel I don't think would be afforded to him by DC. Well, you know, they're not paying anybody anything now. I really think some of it comes down to a lot of his creator-owned stuff just comes out whenever. Maybe if he was more secure and that stuff coming out on a normal time frame, he'd probably jump over to DC for some stuff. I'm fairly certain it's in his contract that his creator-owned stuff must take a back seat. He has to have so much of the Marvel work done. Yeah. Yeah, before he can dedicate time to something else. Look, I was rereading his Star Wars run. He was the initial writer on the uh, Marvel revamp of Star Wars. That's some good stuff. That really is. He was. I, he know, was. Jason Aaron is a great writer. Yeah, but I don't know what what he's doing on the Avengers. He has done some great work. Scalped. You know, we've talked about it before. Scalped. The other side. The other side, Sea of Stars. Southern uh, Bastards. Southern yeah. Bastards. I you know, he, Southern Bastards used to come out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he has some great stuff. And some of his early Wolverine stuff I thought was fantastic, where he had him in the pit and he's up. The Kill Mystique storyline. A lot of his Wolverine stuff was good. He wrote that over multiple books. Yeah, and his Black Panther was really good for those three issues. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but I've still got the Star Wars hardcovers that he did and everything. I enjoy those. I just, God, the Avengers killed me. Other things of interest that are coming out this week, The Amazing Spider-Man, I mentioned Marauders, Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity, number eight. Albert and I was discussing how many years has this been going on, and Star Wars High Republic. Star Wars High Republic needs to kick it into gear. Is that not the kids' version of that book? No, the Marvel and the kids' version comes out. It's okay, okay. coming out the same week. Also, Green Lantern number one, and I am interested in seeing how the crime syndicate turns out. I enjoyed the first issue, and needless to say, Batman also comes out this week. So those are going to be our recommendations and risk picks for you for the week of April 7th, 2021. I really think I'm invaluable. Shut up. Well... Madripoor in Falcon and Winter Soldier, third episode. 
That was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. I like yeah. the way it looked. They did a wonderful job on the way it looked, the way it appeared. It was street level as well as cityscape. For some reason, when I think of Magic Poor, I always think the way it looked real early in the, the old Wolverine ongoing. Yeah. Like yeah that's yeah. just my view of it. That old, I guess, well, the 1980s version of it. Yeah, they'd show that one port. Yeah. In Madripoor, which was Lowtown. And then as the Wolverine series went on, you eventually got acclimated to, oh, there's a high town as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they did a wonderful job. I did not like Carter. You didn't like Sharon? What didn't you like about Sharon? No, she didn't. When she was on the screen with other people, she just did not. No one seemed to have any like chemistry with her or anything. I think that's on purpose. I don't know. Not like that. Every time she's on screen, it seemed like just to pull the whole thing down. I'll go back and pay attention to it. I wasn't getting that. Well, I thought they showcased that she is a complete badass. <laughs> she didn't really have as much there except just to be a badass. Okay, I've got a question. If life's been so hard on her, how in the hell can she afford that penthouse? What do you mean life's been so hard on her? She was going on about, I was the one that stole the shield and those damn wings and y'all left me out to dry and so I came here the only place I could here. I've been on the lam from the authorities, the American authorities, but she seems to have done pretty well for herself. Yeah, because Madripoor, she's been that all that happened outside of Madripoor. I mean, once you get to Madripoor, you can make a very good living because there's no you're willing to do, you know. Yeah, but she she's making a really good living. I mean, is yeah, it I all possible? Like- Whenever she was going through all her stuff, I was like, "Really? I'm like, I don't, I don't know about any of this." See, I wonder if if that part in the show was not made for that character, and then they just was like, "Oh, we'll just use her for this part." No, I think they're using her on purpose. I think they're using her on purpose so that the the basis of what we know about her character or what we've accepted as head canon about her character is filled in. Is it possible that she's the right-hand woman to the power broker? Or is it possible that she is the power broker? I thought we got to see the power broker last episode, the episode before this. No, I think he was just one of the super soldiers. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, they get the gist of everything, but they're not afraid to throw you a curveball. Given that, like Sandra pointed out last week, the actress playing Sharon Carter is second bill only to Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, that may elevate her actual character, even though she's not going to be in more than three of these episodes or possibly four of these episodes. Yeah, we haven't seen the Power Broker. We don't know who that is yet. we have not seen the Power Broker. Yeah, I think that was just an agent of the Power Broker getting away that the guy died for, Sandra. I don't think that was the the Power Broker. I just got real suspicious with her lifestyle, and she seemed to be doing phenomenally well for somebody wanted by Interpol and everybody else. Well, maybe she's the Power Broker. We don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. If she's not helping the Power Broker, she could be the Power Broker. But that doesn't make any sense. Why would Sharon Carter want to be trying to revive the super soldier serum? That's a good question. Did Sharon Carter get whisked away during the snap? Was she one of the ones that remained behind and thought that it was a better world? Did her core fundamental philosophy change after the events of the snap? Well, you know, she was never developed as a character enough, but from the comics, I would say no. And she's making a deal with the Falcon to try and get pardoned or her name cleared so she can go back to her life and get out of Madripoor. Palpatine cut a deal with the Jedi to try to end the Clone Wars there, too. (laughs) 
this is a kind of curveball. I don't want to get all, hey, that's Mephisto <laughs> on people again. But I was just curious about that. I was wondering what, where they're going with her story arc, oh, what, what the deal is. I, I think most of what we saw in there was on purpose. I think they did that with some sort of an idea in mind of where they're going here. When they were in the bar, I like the bar scene. I like the bar scene a lot. When they were in the bar... If you freeze it at the exact right moment at the 22 minute mark, 2239, I think, on there, and you look in the upper left hand corner and you see a guy in a white tux with wild hair with those mutton chops and a patch over his eye, that's Mephisto. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) That's Deathstroke. That's Lobo, man. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, I really like it. I think Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have wonderful chemistry between them. I mean, we talked about that. Yeah, and I guess that's why the Sharon Carter stuff fell so flat. It's like they work well together and they seem to work well with other actors on screen. But Lord, she walks in on that show and it's just nothing. It's just a black hole. I'll go back and watch that and uh, and be aware of that and see see if I can glom onto anything there. I just got that she was pissed at him and they were kind of standoffish. I thought that maybe there might have been a romantic relationship between her and Sam, the way they talked back and forth. But given the way the time stream set up, if she survived the snap, we know Sam didn't survive the snap. And that Falcon and the Winter Soldier takes place roughly five months after the blip, after the return. One division took place three weeks after the return. And Spider-Man, Far From Home, the last Spider-Man movie, that takes place almost a year after the return. So One Division and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the events in those both take place before the movie Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. If I were Sharon Carter, I'd be really pissed at Falcon. For? Because he's supposed to be an Avenger and he hasn't done squat to help her out. He doesn't have any money to do anything. Well, well, yeah, that have to be money. That's a government thing. I mean, it's not like she said, why didn't he use his pull? It's not like Bucky can do much because he's like in probation. Guy's getting arrested again. When she asked that, it did run across my mind. Well, what happened to you? Were you dusted after the snap, Sharon, or did you remain? And I think that's a big point right there because Sam and Bucky were dusted. They were gone for five years. So you can kind of forgive Sam trying to get back into the swing of things with the government contracts. The Avengers aren't there right now. We don't know how the Avengers are, even if the Avengers exist as a legal entity. The base is gone. Their base of operations is completely and totally gone, well, thanks to Thanos and that little incursion yeah. there. And of course, Tony Stark is gone, and Tony was booting the bill for most of it. Of course, we find out that Tony wasn't writing paychecks for the fellow Avengers, but... <laughs> So there's a well, lot. I just questions. never thought about it. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of questions here. The Sam and money thing just seems like they could have done a handled it differently or better or something. I, I don't know. It just seems odd that way they've handled his financial situation. I stand with what Sandra and I had said the other day. That's a crappy thing to do. Like, well, you haven't had any income for the last five years, but it's also a very realistic thing for a bank to do. If that had happened in reality, I can completely and totally see banks doing that to people. Like, you can't show any residents or established income for the past five years. I understand you have all these government contracts, but 
You just haven't existed for the past five years. It would be ludicrous of us to lend money to somebody who hadn't existed for the last five years. In fantasy, it could be handled better, but I think that's one of the more realistic things that they've illustrated has come down the pike is... Yeah, I can very easily see banks doing that, especially trying to establish loans and such. Overall, I'm, I like it better than WandaVision because most everything is on the surface. Yes, there are Easter eggs to it, but there's not. As we went through WandaVision, we, me in particular, just kept wanting to see more and more to it than there actually was there until well, we got you, to the last two episodes. Well, don't you just admit WandaVision was bad? I don't think it was bad. I've watched just it again it. since then. I, I do just, it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, I'm not admitting it was bad. <laughs> do it. I enjoyed WandaVision. I'm just enjoying this more. There's more of the stories up front. I'm sure we've got a couple of twists and turns coming, though. And, of course, Mephisto will eventually reveal himself. Eventually, has red well, wings. How did I, you like I, Zemo? <laughs> I, I like Zemo. The, the getting him out of prison thing was maybe a little too much. I mean, they are so outclassed. <laughs> Just <laughs> well, looking they, at the, at some point, dude, I think Sam realizes it. I don't know what Bucky is thinking, but it's like, what the heck are we doing here? We're, <laughs> you know, we're going to be playing checkers, and he's playing chess. I just, I this is just so wrong. You should know better. I really like Zemo. I think he's a wonderful addition to this, and he plays that character right up the middle. And did you catch the bit about other countries, neighboring countries, rushing in, expanding their empires on Sokovia after God, the so- Latveria? Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the scuttlebutt. Is that there's a fair possibility that it's Latveria that has taken over sections of Sokovia? Yeah, but, I would uh, definitely like to see Zemo and Doom face off. <laughs> oh not, God, yeah, this Zemo not, is not, awesome. Not Zemo running circles around Sam and Bucky. <laughs> I'm like, oh guys, this is not going to end well. <laughs> Don't do that again. Of course not. <laughs> And man, they went full Zemo. He had the fur collar. That's he right. Had the, the yeah, I like that they gave him his actual mask this time. His yeah. real mask. Yeah, yeah, they gave everything to him. They just unapologetically, here you go, Baron Zemo. And when the business about, we ain't stealing a car. Like, the first thing we do out of here is steal a car. And he's like, <laughs> these, yeah. these are my cars. <laughs> I mean, he really... He really did. The way he played it and the way it was written, it kind of reminded me of more like Doom, especially with the retainer. I mean, that could have been Boris dressed up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They've got opportunities to set a few things up here. They put Madripoor in there, which is just to blatantly say, if it's not in there for any other reason, that's just to blatantly tell the fans, look, they're coming. They're coming. It's going to happen because Madripoor first appeared in New Mutants number 35, but was a mainstay in the Chris Claremont Sal Buscema ongoing Wolverine series. I think that was in 1987 when that one started. But you've also got Isaiah Thomas. You've got his grandson. So given that he's appeared here and you got Kate Bishop coming up in Hawkeye. And of course, you got Ant-Man's daughter, Stature, codenamed Stature. They're, they could they definitely have the opportunity to set up the Young Avengers. They also are slowly putting together the opportunity to have the Thunderbolts. 
especially since you got Zemo in play. I was not that impressed with Zemo in the movie. That's why I love these Disney Plus shows is because there's so much more room to have the characters. I think it's done great for Bucky and Falcon too, but man, Zemo and and I hope they give Sharon Carter some more. Oh, they will. Yeah, this was but, just introduction. Yeah. I did have a question because I know that she's been in the comics, but the lead flag smasher leader, the woman, Carrie Morgenthau, yeah, who was yeah. she in the Cap book? Oh, God. that you name know? was very familiar. Carl, Carl Morgenthau is Flag Smasher in the comic books. No, she was, oh, Carl, okay. Yeah, Carl Morgenthau was Flag Smasher in the comic books. She's the leader of the rebel group, minus the power broker, so it could just be that we gender swap Carl. Okay. Could entirely be that. Or it could be that Carl is somewhere behind the scenes or this is all to free your brother, Carl, or something along those lines. Yeah, I did not immediately recall Carrie from the comic books. That must be what that, because Flag Smasher was a, sort of a real goofy villain. Yeah, he was like just a mace or something like that, I think. I mean, they yeah. did other stuff with them, but I, that may just be what they may just, they casted her, changed the name up and said, hey, you're Flag Smasher or right. something. I mean, I, I doubt she'll be, she'll be. This is a much more person. realistic situation for a group calling themselves Flag Smashers. Yeah. You've got life before the blip and after the snap, and they just consider that a better reality, given that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it would have been a drop from about 9 billion people to 4.5 billion people. The nations would have had to have worked together more to overcome this situation once they realized it was a worldwide catastrophe. And that's basically what her little terrorist group is after, is to restore things to how they were before the return, before the blip occurred and everybody returned. It's kind of a smart storytelling yeah. move here. Besides that, look at Flag Smasher's costume. He looks like Space Ghost. Well, he's had different get-ups over oh, the years. Yeah. I thought that he may be dead now in the books. I don't. I don't know. I think it works better as a terrorist organization. And if we've if we've gender swapped Flag Smasher, his name being Carl, and we've gender swapped him for Carrie, I'm good with that. So long as this continuity. So I far, her as name was Carly. Carly, Carrie, whatever. <laughs> it's Emphis Nest. Her name is Emphis Nest, and she is trying to get fuel for the rebellion, my friend. Mm. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty lame in that movie, too. <laughs> Speaking of lame, did we all get a chance? Hold up. <laughs> And that's going to end our podcast. Let us hear from you. Continue to let us hear from you. Kingdom Casts, Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Kingdom Comics at gmail.com. Kingdom Casts and Kingdom Comics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much again to our sponsors at IVIwatches.com. Type in the code KINGDOM, get 25% off. Thank you also to our content providers. We appreciate them greatly. They do a great job of giving us a heads up on things. And of course, as always, thank you to you, the listener. We greatly appreciate you. You keep giving us great numbers. You're patient with us. You let us hear from you on a weekly basis. Continue to do that. Share us with your friends. Share us with anybody that, you know, do they love comics? Share us with them. Do they hate comics? Share us with them. Do they love to hate comics? Share us with them. You get the idea here, you know, just, just, 
force it down their throats no matter what. So we greatly appreciate all of you. Continue to let us hear from you, and we'll be back with you later this week with our comic book reviews and discussion on the Amazon series Invincible, as well as Godzilla vs. Kong. And we can't wait for that. Do y'all have any calls on that? Kong or Godzilla? Who's going to win? Godzilla. Albert? Probably Kong. You see... All of these big fights, they're always fixed by the Mafia. Whoever wins... Would this one be fixed by the Yakuza? I was about to say. Oh, well, that's true. The Japanese Mafia, the Yakuza, yeah. So it's fixed. Godzilla. (laughs) It's a fake fight. It's like wrestling. It's all scripted anyway. I don't even know why I'm watching it. (laughs) How in the hell did Kong get that big? He grew that big. He was a kid in the first movie. Okay. He was a kid in the first movie. He was a kid in Kong. They even said he was a kid in Kong. Kong of Skull Island, right? With Samuel L. Jackson. All right. So we got that to look forward to. (laughs) Any final thoughts here, Sandra? Want to wish Aquaman a happy 80th anniversary? Hell no. (laughs) No. Albert, how about you? I guess not. All right, then. (laughs) I think I said plenty. I.e. it will never happen. (laughs) All right. We'll be back with y'all later this week. Thank you again. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. Becomes the computer. Zoloft. Artem Zoloft? Yeah, Zoloft. That Skull and Zoloft. Did you say Zoloft? Did I say Zoloff? Zor, Zor, what's his last name? Artem Zola. Shit. Zola. <laughs> Zoloft. <laughs>